0: Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. So, here we are. Jesus was very clear about his life purpose. He came to seek and save the lost. The planet had fallen from its rightful position. Heart treason had resulted in mankind relinquishing his nature subduing authority. And a plan was set in place to redeem the world. And the scripture says for this purpose the Son of God was manifest. And when he chose his disciples, he was very clear that he was only going to be with them for a short time because he needed to pass on to them so that they could pass on to others. And one time he said, I won't turn there, but in Matthew 10, verse 11, he says, when you go into a village, when you go into a village, look for the people of peace. Those are people who are open, receptive to what you're going to bring as you prepare the way for, for, for me to come, for Jesus to come to them. Man of peace are just those people who are either at a place in their life where they are seeking, where they are hungry, where they are open, where God has prepared them. Now, our cultures have cha- societies have changed, rather, where we don't have villages stretched, miles apart where you have to take a day's journey to get there. Now we're kind of a few minutes apart from all kinds of communities and villages. And as we've been looking over the last few weeks, we're all part of communities. Some of them are our sports communities, our work communities, our church communities. And in all those communities, we are who we are born-again, Jesus-loving, devil-hating, Bible-reading, worshipping believers. Amen? But each one of those community relationships has a slightly different purpose. If it's a surfing club, then that's the goal. You're still a Christian, and hopefully we're in the kind of environment where we're rubbing shoulders with people who don't have a revelation of Jesus yet. Come on. Wouldn't it help us if we just... Had our only Christian little circles until Jesus comes again, but we do need a Christian community where we are encouraged, built up, edified, and that can't just happen on Sunday. Sunday serves a different purpose. Sunday serves the purpose of Lord, let the the corporate body check in together and worship you and hear something. Of a prophetic direction, encouragement, exhortation, correction. Watching the movie on Apollo 11 the other night, it was amazing. Every 15 seconds they had to just make a slight adjustment on the way Apollo 11 was going. going We're going in the right direction, but... Sometimes Sundays is just we allow the Holy Spirit corporately to to give us some direction, so we are in these communities we 're part of communities we 've been listening over the last few weeks. Uh, the church is a family, a family is a community, and it 's in a, a family 's goal is not just like a church community to just live happily ever after till jesus comes it 's to raise up sons and daughters who will come to be fully functioning adults and be able to have their own families and raise their own children, having their own babies and having uh, input into those lives until they are best friends and have their own families. Are we seeing that? Because discipleship has to happen in the context of community that we call our family. Jesus didn't just call people, give them a manual and say, go disciple yourself. He gathered people around him and he deliberately and intentionally showed them how to do it and then said, you do it, I'll watch. And then he said, you go do it with someone else watching because I'm leaving. Now, I know you come to church, and you think, Steve, I've been hearing this word discipleship for the last year. That's good. Because it's the only thing we're called to do. In a community where we love one another, care for one another, and grow up amongst one another. That's why we changed that board when you walk in from last year. It was vision 2018. We just scratched out the 18 and put 90. There is no other vision. Now, just imagine with me this morning, I give you a piece of paper, and I ask you to write down the names of the people, and they might be in different communities, you know, your book club community, your work community, your sports community, your church. Write down the names of 10 people that out of all those communities you spend the most time with. Write those names. Can you see yourself writing those names down? Are some names coming to mind? Some of you look like you're still watching the late light news. Okay? Can you see? You're writing down those names. Now if I were to ask you to underline names of people who are receptive, i.e. the people of peace, the man of peace, the woman of peace, the person that God is already preparing, because that's an indication of where God is opening a gateway, not for you, but for them, To penetrate their social circle. You with me? So yeah, Roger's got... He writes down the names of these people here. But only Colleen at this stage, in his chess club, is open and teachable and and, and searching and hungry and going through a crisis. And... you Get your wife. And you go and you visit and encourage Colleen. But Colleen has got a circle of names that she spends time with. It's not him. It's her. She's just the gateway into these group of relationships. That's how discipleship works. Discipleship isn't thinking you can change the whole world on your own. It's you thinking of changing one person's life who has an entrance strategy into another community. Did you get that? Now, you've written all those names down. You've underlined the name of someone who's receptive, a man of peace, a woman of peace. And if there isn't one, then you're going to start praying. Lord, maybe I need to join the chess club (laughs) or the yacht club. I need my church group because I need to be encouraged and inspired. And I'm hoping that in the home sales, we're going to be teaching these things over the next few weeks because that's where we get instruction. But it's not to get instruction so that that's how the home sale runs forever and ever. It's so that it's from there people put into practice. Are you with me? That was what Jesus came to do. One disciple at a time. I said to Janet on the way to church this morning, why did we go into the ministry? I wasn't asking it with that tone of voice. I was just asking hypothetically. Because you know why we went into the ministry? Yes, I know we are all in the ministry. But why we pursued a full-time calling to preach and teach? is one, we just had a love for Jesus. And we also wanted to be an encouragement to the believers and to reach out to non-believers. We went to our leaders and asked them what we should do with this, and they sent us to Bible college. That's what you did back in the early 80s. But we had to say yes to that calling. I want to ask you this morning, I don't care what ministry you're in, what vocation you're in. Number one, do you love Jesus? Have you received His Holy Spirit? Are you willing to say yes? And if you are, then what I've just been talking about will make sense. Start praying for that person who is either a, a not believer yet, but hungry and seeking in crisis of some kind possibly, or a young believer who's surrounded with non-believing friends. Hey, remember the days where you were told, come ye out from amongst them, be separate, have nothing to do with the unclean things. And you thought that meant you have to go to prayer meeting and never see your friends again. No, nobody in this church. So, what I want to talk about this morning is in order for that process of discipleship to go beyond the first generation to the second generation to the third generation necessitates that there's a certain DNA that is present in that first relationship, you with me? Very fascinating subject. Who knows something about DNA? Go Google it. It is so interesting. It's a ladder shape molecule that's twisted. Two like outer strands, sh- basically sugar, with these internal little like ladder steps. That are made up of uh, building blocks that contain the genes that are the, send the instruction manual to the chromosomes that inhabit your cells of your body. 46 to be exact, if you're a human being. Every plant, every animal, every human has chromosomes at the nucleus of their cells telling those cells You're going to become liver. You're going to become an eyeball. You're going to become an eardrum. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. And they say, there's no God. I don't even want to go there now. I mean, this little thing called DNA with its four compositions. There's only these four compositions. I'm not going to go there. I'm not a genetic engineer. But I read up enough to realize that if there's faultiness in the genes, there's going to be a faultiness of reproduction. So the DNA itself has to be healthy. Are you with me? So this morning, I'm going to talk about some healthy DNA that needs to be present in that first discipleship contact that can reproduce. Is that okay? And I want to encourage you as home home life groups, whatever you call yourself. Pray for the man of peace. And then make an effort to get with that person. And in your relationship with that person, keep these several pieces of DNA in your mind. I don't want to just give you a formula this morning how to impart that DNA. I want to list the DNA and I want to, re- and I realize there's different ways of getting to it. I found what's quite easy is just by asking the right questions. So we, first of all, let's look at the DNA required for discipleship mentoring to go beyond the first generation. Number one, worship. Now, your minds immediately jump to the concert environment. That's not what I'm talking about. It includes that. I mean, didn't we have a great time this morning? Come on, awesome. And we've got to do this. But you know that worship is much more than this. David was on his own. He said, come, let us worship and bow down. Long before that, sound systems, electric guitars, and synthesizers, smoke machines, and lights. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For He is our God. Psalm 95. And in John chapter 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, God is seeking for worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So we know how important worship is. But let me give you one simple example of instilling this DNA at a very early stage. It's simply this question, is there something you've been grateful for this week? Can you think right now of one thing that you can be grateful for? I mean, I know there's a lot of poofy stuff going on out there. But is there something you can think about and go, I'm glad for that. Took me quite a long time, I must be honest. No, that's a joke. I thought of my grandson taking his first steps and wobbling towards me. And I thought, I've got to see that. I was there. Is there something I can be grateful for? Because do you know that an attitude of gratitude is worship? When you're grateful, you've got a reason to praise God. And when people realize it, When you're sitting with this person, before we get into deep theological discussions like we did last year as we covered all the main doctrines of Christology, theology, pneumatology, ecclesiology, through the lenses of grace. Before we get in, is there something you're grateful for? Because we have to instill this DNA of worship. The second thing, is prayer. And again, we don't have to sit across having a coffee with somebody and in the name of Jesus, we bless this coffee. May these beans explode into delightful flavor. May we come against the calories and the sugar and bind them in Jesus. name. What you have to do is say, simply, is there something you're struggling with at the moment? Is there a challenge in your life? Can you see what you're doing? You're creating an opportunity to say, okay, well, why don't we get to pray for that later? Or, I'm going to keep you in my thoughts and prayers. Because what I'm doing is I'm establishing trust in God. If worship is gratitude to God, prayer is trust in God. Amen. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, it says, Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Philippians 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer, with supplication, make your requests known to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts. Establishing DNA in our discipleship So that what we teach can be taught without losing the vital DNA. The third one is ministry. Because the Bible says that ministry is not the exclusive right of people who are dressed up like mother and we call them father. Ministry is not the exclusive right for people who got their shirts on the wrong way around and their collar facing forward. Ministry is not for the man of power for the hour. We've got to smash the man of power for the hour concept. I was sitting in a meeting the other day, and someone someone was just, it was Bill, Bill, talking about a guy saying, um, he wants to, will you please come and pray, someone needs to and that. and Bill said, okay, I'm going to show you how to go and do it. You see what Ephesians 4 does? God gives gifts to do what? To equip the church for works of ministry. So that the church can become mature. But we think people have got to first be mature before they minister, not knowing that they minister in order to become mature. Right from the outset. A good question here would be, are there some needs in your communities, your friendship circles that you would like to see changed. Because I can give some godly wisdom into maybe how that change should come. Not through me, but through you. Discipleship is equipping people to do the work of ministry. And Jesus said to his disciples, and they came and said, the people are all hungry, looking to Jesus. What did he say to them? You feed them. How about that? And that leads us right into the next one, next part of our DNA, which is the priesthood of all believers. In the Reformation, they got justification by faith right, but they didn't get this one right. They spoke about it, but there always remained a top-down, clergy-lady concept. Now, I know we've moved on from there, and I think most people sitting here this morning are Bible-smart enough to know that they have the same authority to pray in their home as Apostle Dingback. And they've got the same authority to minister to the lost as evangelist Jack does. I think in this church we realize that 1 Peter says you're a royal priesthood. Not limited to the clergy. But just because we're all priests doesn't mean we're all at the same maturity level. In a family, you're all equal in value and good parents want their kids to even go beyond them. But we're not all equal in experience, maturity, knowledge. So let the people with gifts lead. But not lead to keep people as followers, but to to prepare people to become leaders. That's what the priesthood of believers is all about. Can you say amen? The fifth piece of our DNA that we need in this entrance of discipleship is Scripture. Without the Bible, we would have no foundational, absolute, to peg ourselves on. And one of the mistakes we can make in discipleship is if we've got a strong personality, we can draw people to ourselves. And our intellect, our gimmicks, our charisma, and very easily they start looking to us to be the professional of their values and their vision, and not the Word of God. I sat under the ministry of Pastor Ed Rabert for 10 years. I thank God for every day. I told him that before he died. That man got up and it was Scripture on Scripture on Scripture. And there's a reason for that. Today it's not fashionable to go to the Bible. Today it's kind of seen as one of the many philosophies. In most, as we know, schools and colleges, and it's just been removed. And maybe there's a reason for that, and, and some of those reasons are valid, and I don't want to get into that argument right now. But I do know this that in discipleship, if the Bible isn't being opened or discussed, it's not New Testament discipleship. It can be a club, a friendship gathering. Call it what you like, but be honest. The purpose is not to make disciples who will go and make disciples. And on this one, very simply, just a few questions I'll give you. Don't worry about writing these down. Some of you get the blog I send out frequently. Do some of you get that still? Well, that, that's, I'm going to put all these notes on there with the questions, so it will be clear. If you don't get that blog, then Nita, please information desk after the service, let people do that because I'd like you to get the stuff in your hands. This is practical. This is the beginning of an army of three hundred rising up and saying, "Yes, Lord, we're going to do this." Amen. So, with the Bible. You must know the early church never had the privilege of going to the bookshop and, and choosing between the N, New King James and the Old King James and the NRV and the, they just had the apostolic writings handed and, and written out and copied and, and memorized and taken by heralds into the churches and, and spoken, like the whole book of Ephesians, like quoted one to the, Paul's writing to the letter of, of Ephesus. We have the scripture. Now, Problem is, when we with someone unacquainted with the Bible, we want to become a teacher. Home cell leaders, life group leaders, please, can I ask you for the 976th time? You don't have to put, be a Bible teacher at life group. And let me even say to those who aren't in life groups, but you committed to discipleship praying for a man of peace, engaging with a man of peace, and then equipping a man of peace so they can be empowered to go do the same. You don't have to come up with a Bible study. You just need a scripture, a verse that while you're praying and God God puts in your heart, um, cast all your cares on the Lord for He cares for you. And and maybe you don't even, you just quote, you just say, you know, I was reading in the Bible this morning, this this verse. I, I wrote it out on a piece of paper here. Cast your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. Now, just three questions. Number one, do you think you could put this in your own words? Roger, let me pick on you now. That scripture I've just quoted. Put it in your own words, just simply. Stop worrying so much and leave it up to Jesus. Give Him a hand. Come on. I mean, that is, that, that's is that—that's the new paraphrased Living Bible, Message Bible translation. You see, when you can put it in your own words, it means you've grasped it. But if someone else reads it and then just goes into all the Greek and the Hebrew and the French and the Italian, it means nothing. I mean, there's a place for, 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 for academics. Um, I, I Absolutely. But all you need is a, is a word, a scripture, the Bible, and they know it's from the Bible. And once they can, in a group situation it's different. At life group you can say, okay, what did you think? And then you can ask others, do you think he left something out? Because we have to find our own words to express it. The second question to the scripture is, what does this scripture tell you about God? That scripture I've just read, Jan, yeah? that he cares for you, takes care of your needs. According to that scripture, Dave, what does it say about people? What does it tell you to do? It tells you to trust in him, cast your cares upon him. Terry, is there someone in your life you think can think of who might need to hear that word? that they've got to cast their cares on the Lord because He cares for them. Can you see what I've just done? Four questions. Can you put it in your own words? What does it say about God? What is it saying to you? Who needs to hear it? Okay, I'm going to do that slowly now. What is Put that scripture in your own words. If he misses it, that's fine. We just go again. Get someone in the group with the other two people sitting around the table. Do you think you could do this? Don't worry if you can't memorize it. I am going to email it to you. This week, God willing, which he is. Because the church is called to do one thing. And that's make disciples. Amen. The second to last DNA. Ah, there might be the others. I'm just these are the ones I'm sharing this morning. Accountability. That's a strong word in today's. Are you accountable, brother? Ah. You know what it really means is follow through. It just means if there's someone I can think of that needs to hear this. I'm prepared to pick up the phone and tell it. Hello? It just means that that thing I said I'm grateful for, I'm willing to give thanks to God for. It just means that when you told me one of the challenges you're going through, and I said I'll pray for you next week, when we meet next week, you can ask me if I prayed for you. Or better still, I can tell you while I was praying for you, this is what God said. Are you with me? You see, without accountability, it's just a big joke. Without accountability, it's just pie in the sky. But we don't want pie in the sky when you die. We want steak on your plate while you wait. We want something here and now. We want something that says... In this relationship of accountability, you said you're going to go and share this message with someone who needed to hear it. When we have coffee again, if you want to have coffee again, because it's good, it's good manners to ask, do you want to have coffee again? And if you agree to it, then you've got to be accountable to it. I was 15 minutes late for an appointment this week. Caught up in the traffic. there's a big accident on the M13. I hate, it scratches me at the back of my neck here if I'm late for an appointment. Do you, I don't, is there, are there any other A type? Was that a B type or what type? I don't know, some type. Being late for, you keep your hand down there. Because there's something about, do you want to meet again next week for coffee? That's great. Hey, that person you said you're going to go and share this with, how did that go? Uh uh. Uh, do you remember what we spoke about last week? Uh No. Uh, remember you said there were those needs in the community and you said you could phone uh, checkers and they can, the old food, they can. Oh, uh, uh, no. Uh, oh, that scripture, that, do you remember the scripture we read? Uh, no. Now, I'm not doing that to humiliate him. I'm not doing it to make him feel like an idiot. He's already one. I mean, feels like one, not one. He already feels like, but you know what I've just done? I've said, hey, there's got to be a measure of accountability. Who else? Quite frankly, Jesus said, go into town, find a man of peace. But if there is no such thing, dust your feet and go to another village. Doesn't mean you stop loving that village. Doesn't mean there's not gonna one day be. It just means we've got limited time. And this thing costs us time. I said that to the Monday night discipleship, uh, doctrine, just teaching Monday nights. You've given up a Monday night. Now all you have to do is give up one coffee a week. One meeting a week. One Saturday breakfast. One... pray for a man of peace. Engage with the community. And then, build DNA. But if there's no accountability, I think we've got to get to a stage where we say, if I'm pouring years and years and years into this person and there's no fruit, God, maybe I missed a whole lot of other people I should have actually discipled. I'm sorry. Does that sound uncaring? That's not true of me because I've got a group of people, the champions around me that produce fruit. And now I want to see their fruit produce fruit. But it's not just the champions in this church that are called to fulfill the Great Commission. Jesus' last words are your first priority. Say that again. Jesus' last instruction is your first priority. And the last one here in our DNA, is reproduction. Paul, writing to Timothy, said, the things you've heard me tell you, pass on to reliable men who will instruct others. How many generations was he cover? The things you've heard from me, pass on to other men and women who will will be these things you've heard from me entrust to reliable men who will pass on, instruct others. These things you've heard from me, these things you've heard from me, entrust to reliable men who will instruct others. And women. my wife says. In how many generations did we cover here? But Steve, I thought this is all about Family. I, I thought this was all just about community. And you're right. This can't happen outside of community. Because if we're not engaging a community, we can never do this. And if we're not around brothers who are encouraging us and teaching us, we can never learn how to do it. And if we're not in community, we can't have babies that will grow into fully functioning adults who will go and have their own families. Hello? But if the DNA is wrong, up front. Or if the DNA is absent, up front. I read this stat about DNA. That every one of us shares 98% of exactly the same DNA. It's only the 2% that makes you look different to me. easy. 46 chromosomes make us totally unique. And in discipleship, we are not talking about cloning. I'm Daryl. That's my wife, Daryl. That's her disciple, Daryl, and that's his disciple, Daryl. We're not talking about cloning. We're talking about The DNA that makes us human. And that is what Jesus meant when he said, you will bear much fruit. Say that after me. You will bear much fruit. And this will be to my Father's glory. Sorry, I can't hear anybody. I was going to hear a phone. Tell the president I'm in a meeting right now. You will bear much fruit. And this will be to my Father's glory. Proving yourselves to be my disciples. John 15, verse 8. Wow. Can we stand up? I'm glad I came to church today. Who was at the thirtieth anniversary? Yeah, 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 yeah. We did what we knew for thirty years and we got to the thirtieth year anniversary. Do you know that if we keep doing it the same way we're not gonna make another thirty years? No, because for the past 30 years, we were hearing from the Holy Spirit what He wanted us to do and every step He wanted us to take, and that's the direction we moved. If we try and replicate that, we are dead. But if we can keep hearing and turn a church into An explosion of families, self-reproducing, self-replicating. Come on, church, just lift your hands with me for a moment. I've done my best here. I didn't know how I was going to get through this message. I believe it's from the heart of God, but I'm not trying to be humble here. I'm just saying I didn't know how I was going to get this out. But God has helped me, but can He help you right now? Can he help you right now? What I've shared this morning has got three very important ingredients. Number one, it's simple enough for anybody to do. Number two, it's biblical. And number three, it can replicate. It's simple enough that the newest Christian standing here this morning can do this. You say, I've already forgotten. It. Please, get me your email. I want to send you this outline. It's simple. I promise you, it's simple. But it's also biblical. Because we're not a yacht club. Or a beach boys club. We are a Bible discipleship mentoring. Error. And then it can reproduce. Healthy DNA reproduces. So right now, would you just in your own heart say, Holy Spirit, help me take away the simplicity. Help me to take away the publicity. And help me take away the replicity of what I've heard this morning. I pray for every man, every woman. I believe history books can show a mighty revival that we can look back at our 40th and our 50th anniversaries and go, look what God did. Look what God did. I had people coming to me the 30th that haven't been in this church for a long time saying, wow, we had no idea what's been going on in this church, but we're so delighted. Let me tell you, I, wanna, I want people to look back in 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 years from now and say, those people said yes to Jesus. Those people said yes to Jesus. And full-scale war against the kingdom of darkness broke out as the kingdom advanced and worshiping communities sprung up in homes and taverns and halls and open air parks all over the city and the nation and the world because God is speaking with one voice. Rise and shine, rise and shine for this is your finest hour, says the Lord. Put away your fears of the past. Put away your fears of the present and know that what I am building will be greater than what has been before for the glory of the latter house shall supersede the glory of the former house. Come on, church. Let's just put our faith together. Let's put our faith together. And we got a song to declare now, just as we as we go.